Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So we're going to dive right into this message this morning. It's called How to Pray in Faith. So join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for another day, another opportunity to give you praise and give you honor. Thank you, Father, for the healing of our bodies. Thank you for the renewing of our minds. Thank you for giving us peace, peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for joy, for your joy is our strength. Thank you, Father, for giving us life and life more abundantly. And we praise and magnify the name of the Lord. As we approach your throne, we do it with reverence and humility. And Lord, we thank you, Father. Thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, that you have promised to give us what we say. And as, as, we're, as we say your word over our lives, I thank you for the manifestation of what we're believing for. Father God, I thank you, Father, as your servant and as your slave, as your son, as your slave, I come boldly before your throne of grace. And God, I ask for your grace and your anointing to, to teach your word with clarity, with power. I pray that you'll grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe. Thank you, Father, for divine, supernatural, divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is good to be with you this morning. It's good to be streaming live. I remember there was a time we were pre-recording everything, but it's, it's just good to be here live with you this morning. We're going to talk about how to pray in faith. Last week, we talked about the power of confession and prayer. And I hope you've been confessing the word as it relates to our church prior to me coming on. Uh, we, we, were, we had our confession and what we're believing God for. So make sure you take the time when we play that, that you take the time to make those confessions out loud. There's something about speaking the word of God over our lives. And we need to be even more conscious of what comes out of our mouth. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Mark 11, 23 talks about you can have what you say. And we see in Hebrews that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. So there's something about confession. Christianity is called the great confession. We have to say some things. In order to be saved, we, we, we confess some things. We, we agreed with God. Confession is more than just affirmation. As a Christian, affirmations are cute, but I'm not big into affirmation as much as I'm big into speaking the word of God over my life, in which the Bible refers to as confession, the confession of the word of God. There is the confession of sin, which is what we do when we mess up and we've missed the mark. But then there's the confession of the word of God. Confession simply means that we are agreeing with God. We're saying what God says about the situation. 
one of the ways when we got born again, we confessed the Lordship of Jesus. We said that Jesus is Lord. So we were in agreement with what, Je what God has said about Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. He is master. So that's not my message today, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about the power of confession and prayer. So let me do a, a quick review, and then we'll talk about how to pray in faith. Last week, we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. If you have your Bibles, go over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. And it says this, Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. So we believe, therefore we speak. We say what we believe. We need to say that. If you believe something, you need to say it. If you don't believe it, you don't need to say it. And we put an emphasis on saying what we believe. If you believe in heaven, talk about heaven. If you believe that God has not given you the spirit of fear, quote and speak that word concerning that God has not given you the spirit of fear. If you believe that the Lord is your shepherd and you have no lack, declare that, say that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I shall not lack. There is no lack because the Lord is my shepherd. The spirit of faith says, I believe, therefore I speak. Allow the spirit of faith to grab hold of you. Believe God for the impossible. We believe, therefore we speak. Sometimes what people do is they don't really believe, they just say, and therefore they don't see the manifestation of what they're saying. You have to believe first. Believing alone is not enough, and confession alone is not enough. It's believing and confessing, and when those two are together, are in harmony, that's when you'll see the manifestation of what you're believing for. You have what you say only when you say what you believe. You doubt not in your heart, but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. You shall have what you say. And so we talked about this. We also looked at Mark chapter 9. I think it, I think it does us good to go back over the scriptures. <clears throat> Just because I say it once doesn't necessarily mean that you got it. It takes time. It takes repetition. The apostle Peter said, that I will not neglect neglect of staring you in remembrance of the things that were said. The Apostle Paul talks about that it is it's, it's important for me to, to remind you what has already been preached to you. We need to hear this gospel again and again and again and again. We need to hear the biblical truths of the Word of God. We need to hear about the deity of Christ, the, re <clears throat> the reality of heaven, the reality of hell, the reality of, 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 of living a life in light of eternity. Those things we need to hear again and again. The reality of prayer. And, of course, we've been focusing on prayer since January. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, says in Jesus, Mark chapter 9, verse 23, and it says this, And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. It's not that all things are possible only to God, but all things are possible to those who believe. You have a lot more to do with what you have in your life, 
what if you have the, the promises of God in your life, it, it really is up to you what you're doing with faith. What are you doing? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 that each one of us has been dealt a measure of faith and we need to develop our faith. I don't say that, oh, if a person doesn't receive healing, it doesn't mean that they don't have faith. It may just mean that they haven't developed their faith to a place to receive their healing. <clears throat> we see throughout the scriptures that a lot of stuff that we leave up to God is really up to us. And so I'm telling you today, on this um, February 21st, <laughs> I want to say this, that your faith is your answer. You need to strengthen your faith. And we know from Galatians that faith works by love. And we know from Romans chapter 10, verse, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so as we hear this word, as we speak the word of God, faith arises our faith is strengthened, and as we take hold of our faith, then we'll see the manifestation of what we're believing for. I don't believe that I've done a lot of teaching on confession. <laughs> I, I think we need to get back to that, and, and perhaps we even have um, a, a special class of, of faith school, and we talk about faith and confessions and talking about that, because faith is one of those things that you need to constantly feed. It's not something that you, oh, I heard that before, or I believe that. No, it's not what you've heard, it's what you are hearing. Now, present tense. Faith is always in the present tense. It's never in the future. Hope is in the future. Faith is in the present. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is a the confidence and expectation of what we're believing for. Hope is always in the future, but faith is always in the present. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is, remember, faith is always present. So today we're talking about how to pray in faith, how to pray in faith. Now, this is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be similar in some ways to what we talked about last week and what we'll talk about next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the prayer of faith as mentioned in James chapter 5. And of course, Mark eleven twenty four. there is a prayer called the prayer of faith. So with that said, let's go to Ephesians chapter six. We mentioned this either last week or the week before. We're talking about how to pray in faith. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, it says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is actually saying praying at all times with all types of prayers. So there are different types of prayers. We know that there's the prayer of consecration. And during that prayer, you pray for the will of the Lord. You pray, Lord, let your will be done. You, you actually articulate those words. You're, you're consecrating yourself to the will of God. Or some will say it's the prayer of submission, where you're submitting to the will of God. Lord, let your will be done. If it be your will, let it be so. And that prayer is powerful, that prayer is needed, but that prayer is not a blanket for everything in the Christian life. So the first thing is to get out of your mind that everything that happens to you is a result of God's will. Let me say that again. Just whatever happens in your life 
it's not necessarily the will of God. If you get a cold or you get a sinus infection or you get the coronavirus or you get laid off your job or you, you get kicked out of college or you, you have relationship issues, it's not necessarily it's the will of God that that's happening. And so many Christians that I know <laughs> will often refer to the will of God as been whatever happens in their life. If a loved one dies, it's God's timing for them to go. I'm here to tell you, and I stand with pure, mere confidence that everything, every person that dies is not because God is calling them home. Some people die, one, because they disobeyed their parents when they were younger. The Bible boldly says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says that children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is good and acceptable in his sight. I'm paraphrasing it. It says that your days, this is the first commandment with promise, that your days on the earth will be well and that you should live long on the earth. So one of the reasons, not the only, but one of the reasons why people die early is because they, they disobeyed their parents. There's something to it. You should teach your children that. I remember my mom teaching that to me, that disobedience opens the doors, I would say doors, to the enemy to come in. And we know from Ephesians chapter 4, it says, give no place to the devil. If you give the devil any space, he will come in and invade your life. So disobedience is a doorway in which the enemy could come in and he brings sickness and disease and poverty and, and challenges in your life. The devil is not your friend. He's not God's pet. He is the enemy of God. And we need to see him as he really is in the way that Jesus revealed him. So one of the reasons why people die early is because of disobedience to their parents. When they were younger, it set up certain laws in their lives for them to have a short life. Now, that said, don't go around when somebody dies early uh, at a young age that, oh, they must have disobeyed their parents. Not necessarily true all the time. But one of the many reasons why people die early is because of disobedience to their parents. Either you believe God or you don't. If we, either we believe Ephesians chapter 6, that if children obey their parents, that their days will be well and they'll live long on the earth. Another reason why people die early is because of wrong choices. They made some wrong choices along the way, you know, like partaking of drugs, or they are in a lifestyle that is risky. What, you know, so those are ways to think about it. If people make the wrong choice, if I was to go out here, the church is on New Brunswick Avenue, and there's a big truck coming, and I just step in front of that truck, either I'm going to be hurt, really seriously hurt and wounded, or I may die. Sometimes people also, they, commit they make a choice to try to commit suicide. Also, the things that we eat, the things that we eat may be also a cause for 
our short life on this earth, to shorten our life. So there's different reasons why people die. As long as you think everything that happens in your life, that God is behind it, you'll never resist it. You'll always accept it. And I'm here to tell you, you better not accept life as is. You, you, you got to use your faith to overcome some things in life. It's just like injustice. If you just sit back and say, well, I guess God wanted us to be slaves. Those same mentalities, those same Christians who believe that God does everything in their life, everything that happens is their life, you can look back at slavery. Lord knows Harry Tugman, Harry Tugman was out of the will of God because she rebelled against what was in her life. I'm telling you, you don't sit back and just do nothing and, ex and let life happens to you, but you do something about life. You use your faith and you believe God for the impossible. Do you hear me? Some may be challenged with this, this truth, and it's okay. But I challenge you specifically in the New Testament, go and read the New Testament, especially the Gospels, and you'll see the people who received their healing, over half of the people that got healed by the ministry of Jesus, they got healed by using their faith. There were times that Jesus walked up to a person and healed by the gifts of the Spirit. And there were other times, majority of the times, it was according to their faith that they received healing. So that lets me know that faith has a lot more to do with us receiving from God than we want to, that we've been taught. I'm talking about how to pray in faith this morning. As you can see, I, I'm excited about this subject and it has, it has blessed me um, learning the principles of faith, learning how to operate in faith. And one of the ways that we need to operate in faith is praying in faith. We've been talking about prayer. Now we also, last week we talked about the fight of the good fight of faith. First Timothy chapter six, verse 12 talks about that we have been called to the good fight of faith. It's a fight that has been fixed. And we talked about fighting the good fight of faith is fighting for what we believe in. There are times that you're facing situations in life that it, the situations and circumstances are saying the opposite of what God says. God says your needs are met but your bank accounts may be saying that they're not, that you're lacking. The Bible says the Lord is your shepherd and you should lack. You shall have no lack. And yet you see lack all around you. So you have to choose to believe the report of the Lord, the word of God. A lot of people don't like this message, but it's okay. I'm going to keep preaching it to the day that I see Jesus. I'm telling you, we are called to live by faith. Faith is the good fight. You know, fight the good fight of faith. I'm not fighting against the devil. I'm not fighting against my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not fighting against the people in the world. I'm fighting to stand on what God says. I'm fighting for what he has already spoken and what Jesus has already accomplished. I fight for my healing, right? How do you fight for your healing? You speak the word of God. You you refuse to sit back and let the disease take over your body. I'm telling you, it is a fight to live. 
It's a fight for your marriage. You don't sit back and just allow your marriage to fall apart. You don't sit back and allow your kids to just, without you fighting in faith, having done all this to stand, to stand for your children, to stand for your health, to stand for your finances, to stand for your peace of mind. You have to do something. You got, the Bible tells us <laughs> to resist the devil and he'll flee. So we have to resist him. You don't sit back and let the devil beat you up. I hope you don't do that naturally speaking. Sit back and allow people to beat you up. No, you, you, you better fight. <laughs> the same way with injustice and racism. You don't sit back. And I, I remember when I spoke up against these false, false prophecies on Facebook, there were people that was telling me, you know, I just, you know, just need to sit back and pray. Baloney. <laughs> Sometimes it's a time to just pray, but there's a time to pray and fight, <laughs> to pray and speak up. Don't sit back and just, I'm not going to sit there and let you tell me, oh, you're going to die. You know, all of us got to, I remember one time I, I was, you know, I was preaching at my great uncle's church down in Little Rock, Arkansas, and he did not, he was not a person of faith. He was a Christian, was a pastor, been a pastor many years, a Baptist pastor, but he didn't believe like I believe. And I talked about healing in his church. I talked about praising God for long life. And he wanted to, get, so I, I preached for 15 minutes and he got up right behind me and preached 30 minutes of unbelief and doubt and got up there and just ripped my message apart. And he said to me, oh, you, um, you know, you got to die somehow. So you may as well die of some sickness and disease. And I, I talked to him. I said, no, that's not God's best. That's not God's will. Jesus did not die of no If Jesus is my example, which I believe he is, he did not die of a sickness and disease. He laid his life down and he was resurrected. And I believe that dying with sickness and disease is not God's perfect will. I'm not making any judgment of those who died of something by no means but i'm telling you that god wants me to die in health he wants me to die when i'm ready to die not when i let some disease take me out it's not god's will for me to to allow life to happen to me but for me to overcome but i remember telling him that and him and my great aunt was like you know you you know you're up there praying and praying in tongues and, and reading the Bible and just really negative about my walk of faith. Of course, I left those people alone. <laughs> I preached that message and I loved on them, but I, 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 I stopped dealing with them because I don't need anybody telling me to sit back and let the sovereign Lord's will be done. That sounds like to me, and I'm taking a class, as many of you know, and I'm learning some some, I'm reading extra biblical materials, such as the book of Enoch and, and different books. And, and I'm learning about how even some, some, some myths about the gods, it's like sitting back and letting, oh, we're going to let the gods determine, determine our, de our destiny. Well, if God predestined, for it to happen, it's going to happen. Not necessarily. It's God's predestined for everyone to be saved. But does it mean that everyone's going to be saved? All right. Let me go. We're talking about how to pray in faith. 
how to pray in faith. So today I want to focus on how do we pray in faith. One of the ways that we, we, we need to guard against praying in faith or guard against that, that, was, that would cause our faith not to work in prayer is unforgiveness. So go with me to your Bibles, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and through 25. Don't sit back and let things just happen. Resist the devil. Sickness and disease, resist it. You, you won't let someone come in and just take whatever they want in your house, right? You'll fight. You, you'll, you'll get your machete like PD. I got a machete in my house, and I'll be ready for you. So yeah, come on. <laughs> or call the cops. You do something about it. Well, you as a believer, have, you have authority over the devil. You have authority over sickness and disease. You can speak to situations and command them to line up with the word of God. Mark 11 22 through 25, it says, Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So we see here that verse based on verse 25, it says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone. So unforgiveness is a hindrance of your prayer in faith. Unforgiveness will stop your faith from working. You can't just live any kind of way and expect to believe God. You can't just use profanity and expect your faith to work. I said it. <clears throat> Some of y'all need to stop cussing. Cussing Christians. These cussing Christians. I was talking to a, a, a good friend of mine, and we were talking about men and women of God that God has used, but they use profanity. And when I notice a person that used profanity, I'm talking about I'm talking about ministers. I make a note internally, and I say I won't deal with that person. My respect for that person has just gone down. And when I hear people use it, it's one thing if somebody slips up and say a word, but when people are constantly using profanity. Why would I want to be, unless they're not saved, right? <clears throat> if I'm around a bunch of unsaved people, they, you know, my barber, he, he'll slip up and he'll say a curse word <laughs> every couple of minutes. And then he'll say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, pastor. <clears throat> That's one thing, because I expect that from, um, from unbelievers. But from believers, I don't expect them to cuss. And if, if, if a preacher is cussing, I, I, leave it, I, leave, I, I don't fool with them. I don't. Because I, I have a problem with that. Because I believe in the power of my words. I'm not going to sit there and use profanity, profane, and use the Lord's name in vain, and, and speak words that are not uplifting. That, that, that's, that person, I believe, that person should not be in ministry. If you, got, if you got that much foul stuff coming out of your mouth, that's what's in your heart. Well, I need to cut you off. Any man or woman who's, who's graced this pulpit and if came to KLM, if I find out they're cussing, they won't ever come back. 
because I just I just believe in the integrity not only in my lifestyle but also in my words. Amen. <laughs> Y'all got quiet. So if you if you cussing, you remember here, and you're a cusser, you need to get delivered. <laughs> you need to let, let allow the Lord to to set you free because you shouldn't be saying words that are not to the edifying of God's people. Unforgiveness will hinder your faith. Also, un, uh, unrepentant heart, how to pray in faith. So you got to have a heart that is, is open and soft to the things of God. You, you got to have a heart that is tender, that's tender, tender towards the things of God. And, and you have compassion towards people. So you have a heart that is quick to repent. So you should be quick to forgive, quick to repent, be quick to forgive. When somebody do you wrong, forgive them. I'm not saying that you always got to be around them. If I know someone hurts me or talks about me, why would I go around them so they can talk about me some more? But I am going to forgive them. I am going to release them from that offense that I may have. Also, sin. You, you got to have a life free from sin. I'm not saying that you won't miss it, but you got to want to live right. You, you got to pursue holiness and righteousness. The Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So living a lifestyle of sin will hinder your faith. You can make all your affirmations that you want, but if you have to sleep with somebody who's not your spouse, you have to stealing and lying, you, your faith will not work. Wrong thinking, that's another hindrance. It's wrong thinking. People think wrong. As a man thinketh, Proverbs 2, 23, so is he. So you got to watch the way you think. Wrong thinking, wrong believing. Wrong thinking, wrong believing, and even wrong motives. These are just a few of things that hinder, that will be obstacles to your faith when you pray in faith. So we're talking about how to pray in faith. How do we pray in faith? All right. Praying in faith requires biblical knowledge. You have to, you have to know what God's word says before you pray. The word of God is the bedrock of praying in faith. The word of God is the bedrock of praying in faith. You, you can't just... Sometimes people pray amiss. They pray, they're pulling things out of the sky. We need to have biblical reasons to pray. So what scripture you're standing on in prayer? What are you, what are you, what are you believing for in prayer? How do you know that God hears you when you pray? Are you praying just because of your emotions? Sometimes people are emotions, um, emotion driven. So they're praying because they feel down or they're happy. And, and, and I'm not telling you not to pray when you're down. What I'm saying is have biblical knowledge based, base your prayers on, biblical, on the Bible. Base your prayers on the Bible. So you got to have knowledge of God's word. 
reading and studying and meditating the Word of God is so important to your prayer life. You'll never get it. Prayer is not just getting aroused, getting excited, praying emotionally. It's not enough to pray those things because God is not moved by our emotions in the sense of let me pray, let me cry when I pray, let me laugh when I pray, let me pray in a, a sophisticated way. He's looking for faith when we pray. Praying in, how do you pray in faith? You pray, one, you pray based on the Word of God. So you take whatever the Word of God says and you pray based on that. So how, why should I pray for someone's salvation? Well, first, I got to believe that it's God's will for that person to be saved. So I won't be praying, Lord, I hope you save so-and-so. Some people are hoping in a prayer, in a sense, not biblical hope, but they're hoping in praying, you know, thinking that something will happen. Now, let me say this a million times and try to convince God to do this in my life. One of the reasons why people don't pray is because they don't believe that God is hearing them and they don't believe that their prayers. They've had so many failed prayers in the past that they don't even pray anymore. If you, if you can attest to that, go ahead and, and, and make your confessions in that, on, you know, on YouTube or face, Facebook. That's me. <laughs> Sometimes people have prayed so much and they haven't seen their prayers answered, that it removes their confidence in prayer. I'm telling you, the first thing that you need in order to pray in faith is you need God's word on it. If you don't have the word on it, you can't pray in faith. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're talking about how to pray in faith. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So when you and I pray according to the will of God, then we have what we're asking for because we got his ears. And once we have his ears, we have the answer to our prayers. So I've said this many a times before, and it, 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 it bears repetition. It will benefit you to hear it again. The Bible is the will of God. The Bible is the will of God. So whenever I pray the Bible or pray in line with the Bible, I am praying the will of God, specifically in the New Testament. Again, the Old Testament, the Bible is progressive revelation, specifically in the Old Testament. We see the revelation of God being unveiled. And sometimes if you just go on the Old Testament alone, you don't have the whole conclusion of the matter. The New Testament, we see Jesus revealing the Father if you think that God is sending, sending devils and sickness and disease and causing darkness in your life, 
then you don't know the God of the Bible. And Jesus brings a revelation that sheds on all revelation of who God the Father is. So if you think God is sending storms your way, then you need to read the Gospels because you see Jesus rebuking storms. Jesus is saying, well, I, the Father is sending this, so let me just let, let it come my way. Come on, welcome you, storm. No, he resisted the storm. He rebuked the storm. If you think that hunger is the will of God, you can see Jesus having compassion on the multitudes, and he's feeding the multitudes with food. <laughs> so that lets you know that God is a not a, he does not delight in people being hungry. He does not delight in the storms of life coming to destroy you. He actually tells you how to build your life on the rock so when the storms do come that you won't be moved. Come on, say glory, hallelujah to that. Praise God for that. So, the, so we see Jesus revealing what God the Father is like. So the first thing you need to do in order to pray in faith is you need to have a knowledge of God's word. Know what the word of God says. Be confident in the word. The second part is confidence. To have confidence in the word of God or boldness in the word of God. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in the, to help in the time of need. King James says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. So you got to have some boldness because you have God's word on it. You can come boldly. This is how you pray in faith. You have his word. Now you pray in confidence or in boldness. You come boldly. You don't come with a sin mentality, sin consciousness, but you come with knowing who God is and who you are in God. You come boldly. You say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I don't come, see, a person who is not, don't have confidence, they cannot expect to receive from God. You got to know your father. You got to know he wants to do what you're asking him. So that, that means you're not praying for something that is, is inconsistent with his word. Now, there are things that you may be praying for that you're not completely clear about, such as if you should take a job, or if you should leave a job or she should move to another city. We don't have scriptures per se that give, give us a revelation of where we should be in the next phase of life, whether you should live where you're living right now, whether you should move or who you should marry. So you need a revelation from God to, to figure out those details of your life. So you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. But you don't have a, a book that's going to reveal or a verse to reveal to you those types of details. We have a general knowledge of his will. More specifically, you need to pray for the will of God. So that's where you pray, Lord, let your will be done. Place in me a desire for your will. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, direct me. And you pray in the spirit and you pray and you praise God. God promised to lead us. So you take scriptures dealing with the leadership of the Spirit. And so you seek God for his leadership. So going back to this boldness, so you have boldness and confidence when you pray. How do you pray in faith? You pray with knowledge of God's word and you pray 
with boldness. Don't be a weasel when you pray. Don't be downtrodden. Oh, God, I'm such a worm. But pray with your authority as his son, a son and daughter. Pray with joy. Pray with gladness. Pray like you know God. Father God, I come to you. I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. That's the type of prayer you need. Then you need to pray with intentionality. You need to pray on purpose. Some of us, we, we pray shotgun prayers. We were hoping and praying that something would happen. God is not moved how much you pray. You can pray 20 hours and still not get a prayer answer. And just because you're sincere, you can be sincerely wrong. It doesn't matter how sincere. I mean, it, it does matter if you're sincere, but you, sincerity is not enough to pray in faith. You can be sincerely, Lord, I'm nothing, and be sincere about it when God has made you something. We're not trying to become something or say that we're something that God has not already made us. God has made us somebodies. God is, I'm not just a nobody. I know there's a song by the William brothers. I'm just a nobody trying to tell somebody about somebody who could save their soul. That sounds nice, but it's not biblical because I am not a nobody. God doesn't make a nobodies. Come on. God makes somebodies. He made me into somebody. I am somebody special in God. I am favored of God. I am God's favorite child. You are God's favorite child. You, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. God has made you his righteousness. God has given you his name. God has written your name in the Lamb's book of life. God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. So stop talking about how you're just a nobody. When you miss it, confess your sins and trust that he's faithful enough to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Then last but not least, you need to give thanks for what you're praying for. The Bible, this scripture in Hebrews 4, 6, it says, come boldly or with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. I'm coming to the throne of grace. It's not a room. Sometimes people think that this throne is it's just a room. But this is the throne of grace. The Bible tells us heaven is his throne. So the, all of heaven is his throne. So he sits on heaven. <laughs> and the Bible tells me in Hebrews that the earth is his footstool. So he's a big God. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. So he got his, he got his feet laid out on earth. <laughs> he's big. He's big. He's not no little weak God. He's a, he's a big God. And when you know that, you can pray in faith. You could ask God for the same thing for the rest of your life every day. And he'll do it. You can ask him for forgiveness every single day. You can ask him for wisdom for every single day. You can ask him for your daily bread every single day. You can ask him for joy every day. You can ask him, you know, you, you, need, you made a mistake. He's, he's not a God of a second chance. He's a God of another chance. Again and 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 again. He'll keep, he'll, he's, he's the most consistent person in the world. Sometimes people want to put off to the, he's, he works in mysterious ways. But if you know his word, you know that he's consistent. He's going to tell you what he's going to do. I'll answer you if you call upon me. 
and you call in faith, you pray according to my will, I'll give you what you're asking for. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it will be done for you. If you believe you receive it, you can have it. If all things are possible to them that believe, you know, my mercies are new every single day. So you can expect the mercies of God every single day because he said it. His mercy endures forever. His anger is only but for a moment, but his mercy is for a lifetime. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Give God some praise for that. That is enough to shout all the way into eternity. So he is, God is the most predictable person in the world. I'm going to say it again. Your religious brain can't think, can't, can't grasp that. Oh, you're, you're speaking blasphemy. Oh, how dare you say God is predictable. I'm telling you, God is the most predictable person. You, if you call upon him, he'll answer. You worship him, he'll inherit your praise and your, his praise and his worship. He inherits the praises of his people. If you live uprightly before you, he will not withhold any good thing from you. If you honor him with your tithes and your offering, he'll pour out the windows out of the windows of heaven room enough. I mean, you don't have enough capacity to receive. If you're a witness, his word will not return unto him void. If you will speak his word, he'll watch over his word to make it good in your life. I'm telling you, God is good. He's predictable. He's the, listen, how you know God is predictable? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't waver. He's the same. He's consistent. He is persistent. He, he remains solid as the, the most solid, the, the, the thing that is consistent in your life. What, what is the number one thing that's consistent in your life? That's God. God is consistent. He's your heavenly father. He will consistently forgive you. He will consistently Answer your faith in prayer. He consistently gives you mercy when you don't, you don't deserve it. He, he's gracious. Glory to God. I just preached myself happy. My last scripture is James chapter 1. Next week we're going to talk about the prayer of faith. And then we'll start a new series in March. James chapter 1. And let's look at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no, with not, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. One thing about flaky people, you can't depend upon them. There's people you, there's, I'm talking to somebody right now. There are people in your life that are unstable. If you have not been assigned to minister to them, leave them jokers alone. There's some unstable people. They don't have a job. They don't, they can't keep a job. They, they, they're not consistent in church. They're not consistent. They don't, they're not good. They don't make their word good. You know, they, they tell you one thing, but do something else. This scripture tells us if we lack wisdom. Now, the, the focus is wisdom, right? But it's also the focus is faith. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. So you, first, you got to recognize where wisdom comes from. 
or recognize what you're believing him for, where does it come from? Well, no matter what you're believing for in life, when you pray, you got to know that God is your source. Come on, say this with me. God is my source. He's the source of wisdom. He's the source of joy. He's the source of understanding. He's the source of might. If you need some might in your life, he's the source of peace. He's the source of comfort. He's, he's, he's your source. He's your source. God, ask God. The art, become a master of asking, but learn to ask in faith. Let's continue. Then it talks about ask God, and it tells us who God is, who gives generously to all who, without reproach, it will be given him. So God gives generously. You got to know one translation says, or one in the Greek, it says, the giving God, the God who gives again and again and again and again. God, you can see, you will run out of favor with people, but not with God. If you, if you come through Christ, you'll never run out with favor. So you can ask your, your father owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. Not only does he own the cattle, but he also owns the hills. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. God owns everything. I, I heard somebody recently YouTube, on YouTube, on their YouTube channel, they were criticizing another minister. This minister, and they were accusing this minister of perhaps purchasing, they had an illustrated sermon. And they were suspecting that the illustration was $3,000. They criticized them. It's like, how dare this minister put on a production to proclaim a truth of God when people are in a pandemic and losing their jobs? That sounds nice. But let me tell you, we serve a God that his streets are made out of gold. Now, let that sink in a little bit. So don't ever get mad or upset at the fact that as we grow and, and the Lord prospers us, we buy a building that's, that you don't think is worth that much. I believe that God and his people and his church deserve the best. And I believe that we should expect. I'm telling you, I, I don't want to give a shout out to everyone who, who blessed us. Uh, we, my wife and I, we celebrated 16 years of ministry, and, and people gave. Thank you. You paid for our dinner Friday night and Saturday morning. Thank you. We went to a nice restaurant, and it, it was an expensive meal, expensive for us. <laughs> and I'm telling you, thank you. Some people say, well, why would you do that? Why would you bless your pastor with an expensive meal? Well, I'm going to tell you, God is good. Listen, God deserves, I mean, we, we all deserve to, to, to be spoiled by God, if I can say that. And I, I just want to portray that he's a giving God. So this scripture tells us that he's a God that gives generously to all without reproach and will be given him. But then it tells us, but let him, let him ask in faith. So how to pray in faith, recognize who God is, have a knowledge base of who God is, pray in confidence and boldness, and recognize that God is a giving He's a giving God. He's the God. He's your source. So ask in faith, knowing and understanding that he has everything that you need and he's willing to give it to you. God is not stingy. Somebody needs 
type that into the comments. God is not stingy. God is generous. He's generous with his finances. He's generous with his wisdom. He's generous with his joy, his peace, his healing. It's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too hard for He'll heal a common cold or he'll heal HIV. There's nothing too hard for God. God it will help you find your keys and help you discover your place in his kingdom. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> he'll help you find your place in this world, and he'll help you find your a note that you wrote somewhere on your computer. He's that good. He's that faithful. Amen. And goes on and says this. Let him ask in faith with, not, with no doubting. So when you ask, ask in faith. Ask in faith. Believe that, you, that God's going to give it to you. That's how you pray in faith. Believe he's going to give it to you. Don't waver, but be, be faithful. Be steadfast. Trust in, this, in who he is. Trust in his lordship. Trust in his kingship. Trust in his fatherhood. Trust in, trust in his godness. Ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that per person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. If you're doubting, you're not going to receive it from the Lord. How can you expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in doubt? When you pray in faith, you pray with boldness. And we're going to talk about the prayer of faith and give you details about that according to James chapter 5 and Mark eleven twenty four 24 next week. But when you pray in faith, in faith, you pray with confidence. You pray based on the word of God. You pray, pray in, in, in understanding who God is, recognizing that he is your source. And you pray without doubt. You don't doubt God. You, sometimes people nullify their prayers by after they pray for healing, they go and say the opposite to other people. Well, I guess he if God, if God intervenes, there's no if with God. <laughs> Not like that. You got to believe that he's going to do it. I hope you got something out of today. I pray that it was encouraging and strengthening. I wanted to encourage you about praying in faith. Pray from the place of faith. Stop praying in doubt. Uh, I, I hope you do this. If you pray for the blessings of God to be on your children, believe that they are. If you pray for the blessing of God on your job, believe that it is. Trust him for that. Praise God. If you're blessed by this broadcast, make sure you email us at info at kingdomlivingnj.org. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord strengthen you. If you want to learn more about Jesus, I invite you to, to reach out to us so that we can encourage you and give you the words of life how to be born again. That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, 
contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.